Shamai, Kroiso and welcome to the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcasts. I'm Stephen Hedges. On this week's episode, Jan Gray takes a peek behind the curtain of the pathway to becoming a professional cricketer. Later, he interviews Richard Almond, Head of Talent Development at Glamorgan County Cricket Club, and Matt Thompson, Head of the Talent Pathway at Cricket Wales. But first, Jan interviews two young professionals. The first is Glamorgan's Kieran Carlson, whose first professional season was in 2016. He took 5 for 28, the best ever figures for a Glamorgan spin bowler on debut, and he became Glamorgan's youngest ever centurion with 100 against Essex at Chelmsford. He was named Glamorgan Young Player of the Year in 2018 after stunning performances in both the County Championship and the T20 Blast. Then we are very pleased to welcome to the podcast England's Zach Crawley. He made his first class debut for Kent in 2017, getting his maiden first class century in 2018 when he scored 168 against Glamorgan at St Lawrence. He captured the cricketing headlines this summer when he scored 267 for England against the touring Pakistanis. In the process, along with Joss Butler, he recorded England's highest ever fifth wicket partnership in test cricket of 359. Jan has covered lots of issues here that may be very relevant to many young cricketers in Wales. It is made for a longer podcast, but an engaging and enjoyable one all the same. See what you think. Okay, we're here with Kieran Carlson of Glamorgan, and we're going to talk about his journey through the um, Welsh and Glamorgan elite pathway. Hi, Kieran. Hi, mate. Um, so, at what age did you start playing cricket? Probably, I'd say about seven or eight years old. Just local club type of thing. We like the quick cricket, plastic bats, plastic balls, and yeah, like I, I played a, a few sports when I was growing up, and then but it was always cricket that was kind of took my fancy for most of it. I think. What age did you realise you were good and get to start playing representative cricket? Um, so I missed out on like Wales under 10s, under 11s. And then but when I got to about 12 or 13, I think I started playing for Wales and doing stuff like that. But I think until I got onto the academy when I was 15, I didn't really think it would go anywhere. I just thought I was kind of, I was all right. But there were always guys better than me in my own team and around the country. But then, yeah, I think getting onto the academy at 15 was a big thing and that kind of made me realise wow I am in a in like a professional setup and like I, I have the opportunity to train three four times a week so then I probably yeah I think from there then I started started kind of growing my game a lot. Uh, what do you think is the differentiation between those who make it and don't make it because you say you didn't feel the most talented at a young age? Yeah um, I think there's a lot of luck involved I think there's a lot of right place right time but then on the flip side as well, you do have to put the work in. And I think most of the time, if you do put in the hours and kind of make yourself available for everything you can, I think a lot of time it does pay off. So, yeah, I, I think there is a lot of luck in, in terms of if you get a, a score for, for a batter, especially if you get 100 at the right time. And if there's an injury and you, you're suddenly in the first team or second team or whatever, wherever the next step is for you. I think, yeah, that's, that's a, a massive part of it. I think a massive part of it is... It's kind of yeah, putting in those those hours when nobody really sees it in the winter, and kind of being motivated not to just do the bare bare minimum and try and actually improve year on year. Do you think the academy taught you that sort of lesson? What, what sort of lesson did you learn for the academy? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I my, on my first year in the academy, I think I averaged twelve for Wales under seventeens and like sixteen for my club, and I had an awful year. But then I think that just taught me that like. I'm not nowhere near where I need to be in order to 
kind of warrant this academy play. So I actually need to work very hard on my game. And luckily, we had a we have a great coach still do at the academy, Rich Almond, who's very good in that type of thing. He will he'll give you a lot of confidence, and he'll work with you as long as you want to. I think yeah, the academy definitely taught me that you no matter how many runs you score, Wales age group cricket, you're never too good for for the game and for that standard. I think obviously going and averaging next to nothing for a Wales 17s team where I was expected to be top run scorer every game. I think that was a massive lesson that you can't take anything for granted and you do have to work hard no matter what, no matter where you're playing or who you're against. Uh. You talk about the, the difference between Wales and then the Glamorgan Academy. Do you think that there's um, a good link between them or do you think that sometimes it's, um, there's a bit of a difference in the, well, the standard and the, um, the pathway? Yeah, so I think when I was off the Wales age group into the academy, I think that was the case. It wasn't very well linked. But I know recently there's been a massive push past couple of years to really link the two together. So the Wales and 17s and everything before that kind of do link very well with the academy. And there is a, there's a youth academy, not just the, the main academy where 12, 13-year-old boys get, get to go in, use all the facilities with obviously really high-level coaches. I think it is, I think now what I say, the, the link is very, very strong. You get guys playing for Wales age groups in the academy. The academy is quite a big quite a big setup now with, with really talented youngsters coming through all the time. But yeah, that's obviously from my point of view, it's pleasing to see in terms of is it is improving and will continue to improve in my opinion. Because the more the more funding and the more effort you put into an academy setup, I think you will get more out of it ultimately. What um role did club cricket play in all this for you? Um so I've started playing my first first team game when I was fourteen, I think. And I played, I think, one of my first games, Robert Croft, Simon Jones, David Lloyd, Owen Morgan, another contracted guy, were all playing against me. So I was like this 14-year-old kid not really knowing. I was just playing on a Saturday afternoon and I got called into the first team. But, like, I think it, it, it definitely teaches you how to play senior cricket. When, when, you, when you go through the age groups of Wales, you, you're always kind of the guy there. The, the boundaries are tiny. You can, you can face guys that you know that, they're not gonna, they're not gonna beat you for pace or anything. You, you know, like you're one of the best people there. But as soon as you go to club cricket and you get guys turning up that have played for fifteen, twenty years, and they, like, they're not afraid to hold back, and like that's good in terms of you learn very quickly. And it teaches you teaches you how to be around the setup with adults and how to act around them, and you can't just kind of muck about the whole time, which I'm still trying to learn, but. I think that's yeah, definitely start off that learning process for me and you teaches you how to how to kind of adapt. I'm obviously a smaller on the smaller side, so when I was growing up in the first team you have to adapt on how to score runs. You're not gonna be able to hit straight sixes when you're five foot nothing and facing guys who are bowling eighty mile an hour. So yeah. So do you think club cricket then maybe acquitted you or prepared you better for your because you started playing um first team cricket for Glamorgan at a very young age and you know you got a yeah. fiver on your debut and you became the youngest ever centurion at the age of 18. Do you yeah. think club cricket or the academy was more important in developing you for that situation? I think it's a, it's a massive mixture of both. I think that the good thing that I always got told is that wherever you, whenever you bat, whenever you go out, you need to treat it as if you need to score as many runs as possible. And I think the, the volume of high quality training we did at the academy 
definitely um definitely like set me up well in terms of I think we were doing like stuff like fast February facing 85 mile an hour plus in the bowling machine from a young age and stuff like that that sets you up for the up in standard but yeah I think learning how to score runs and even though I didn't probably get many runs in club cricket I think it definitely set you up then when you do step into like a second team a second team game you've played senior cricket and you're not just coming straight from where 17 second team so I think club cricket definitely has a massive importance for any young guy going through the system I think everyone would agree with that. You talk about a mixture of uh, academy club cricket I mean what role has your family played in allowing you to pursue all these things at once? Yeah I mean I was having a chat with the parents the other day about how they literally used to just ferry me around around the country whenever whenever need to be and I think a massive credit has to go to all cricketers around the country, all the young people that don't don't really notice at the time, but when you look back on it, like driving down to Bournemouth, anywhere and anywhere and everywhere, just to kind of let you play a game of cricket. I think yeah, the support that they that parents give, and it's 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 nice to pay them back in a way, and it's kind of all worked out so far anyway. But like they they get more stressed about the game than I do really when I'm when I'm not doing well or I'm not picked in the squad or something there. They're more, they're more stressed than I am, I think. So, um, you know, they talk about the challenges for the parents, but what do you think are the biggest challenges that have faced you in your career, both in junior and senior cricket so far? Um, I think it's dealing with failure. I think it's something that every cricketer will have to go through because statistically the best players in the world only succeed one in five innings. So I think, as especially the batter, I think dealing with that failure and trying to remain constant in your approach to everything is a massive is a massive thing that I'm still trying to learn at the minute but that was a challenge definitely from 17 to 19 where you have these massive highs and you feel untouchable top of the world but within even like less than a day an hour you could feel awful and think oh god what am I doing wrong I need to change this change that I think what older guys have always taught me is that you have to be consistent in the way you go about it trust what you do and then stick with it obviously if there's a technical flaw of something that then you'll change it but don't change it just because you've got a low score I think that's the thing that has been what has will continue to be a challenge I think for the rest of my career is remaining constant in how I go about it and trusting my own ability in order to score runs yeah so would you well how would you suggest that young players trying to make it in the game go about becoming more consistent and constant with their thought processes? Um, I think it's always good to have someone to talk to. I think even though at a young age, you need to you need to vent all the feelings that, that you kind of have. And I think obviously with everything surrounding mental health at the minute, that is a massive part of it. And cricket is one of those sports where as a young person, you can fall into quite a deep hole of, of not really know, knowing where to look. And I think especially going back to the cricket side of things like if you do if you do have feelings where you you feel like you need to change something you have a guy for me it was Rich Arman my academy coach at the time where if I did feel like I something needed to change then I'd go back do a session with him and then he'd, he'd basically decide for me and say I like, know you're actually you're looking good you're just not scoring runs and that's part, part of the past of the game I think always trust trust yourself as well always trust what you're doing if the worst thing you can do is go out to bat and not have confidence in in what you're going to set out to achieve. I think when you see, you mentioned, you did that, uh, Zach Crawley interview 
for whenever a couple of weeks ago. I think what what players like he, he he does very well. You can see that he has like massive confidence in the way he goes about his cricket, and and he's kind of played test he's got a test match double hundred now, and like for him he that's just such a confidence such a confidence booster. But even before that, you could see he was confident when he went out to bat straight away. And I think that's a massive thing, being confident in what you do and what you're trying to set out to achieve, yeah. Do you think that the academy or academies in general have become better at the mental health, psychological side of the game in the time that you've been involved? Yeah, 100%, mate. It's changed dramatically. Even I've only been in the system for five, six years, whatever. And I think even when I started, we we had a bit of psychology stuff done. But now it's kind of like that it is a massive, massive part of the game, and people are starting to realise that. And it's not just for result; it's not just results based. It is for player welfare as well. I think what a lot of people don't see from the outside is that, and when especially for Glamorgan, if if we aren't doing well, or if we have a couple of a run of bad form as a team, people don't realise that we are trying as hard harder than anyone to get a result. And we're feeling lower than anyone ever, and anyone else can ever feel about it because we want to win so so badly for Glamorgan and so badly for any team that we play in. But I think that's the massive thing is you need to have someone to talk to, like I mentioned earlier. And I know Mark Walton, he's been involved with Glamorgan this season in terms of just being that being that kind of outlet that guys have in terms of being able to talk to him. And he's obviously a very experienced guy within sport with psychology and he and he's been a massive help for a number of the lads when talking about anything he's he's good because you can just have a chat and I think that's what people need they need someone to just kind of talk to vent to if, if even if they just want to go for a coffee go for a beer whatever and I think that's that's so important in this day and age it's just not keeping all those feelings inside and kind of venting them out yeah you've talked about the need to remain consistent in your thought processes but you've also shown you know uh, flexibility and uh, you know you're doing a degree at the same time as uh, pursuing your professional cricket career. How have you managed to balance your studies and your cricket? Because that's a very important thing for young cricketers. Uh, yeah, I think that's another. Obviously, with the PCA being more and more involved year on year, they they always push young cricketers to kind of go into university or do something extracurricular on top of cricket. And I think that's that's a great option for anyone because the nature of professional sport is is very cutthroat, both from an injuries perspective and a contract perspective. And I think to have something backing you up just gives you that kind of confidence that if you are, for example, in your last year of your contract or or have go through an injury that is not nothing to do with your fault and you, you can't play anymore, to have something backing you up is, is a massive thing. And on the other hand of that, it is it's a great way to kind of live live a life apart from cricket. It gives you that kind of perspective when you're when you're in university, going to lectures, doing exams. I think it gives you that kind of depth as a person where you can you can have something apart from cricket to concentrate on. And at times, that's definitely helped me when I when I am going through a patch where I'm just not scoring runs or whatever to have to know in the back of my head that I do have university where I do need to just sit in my room and revise for a couple of hours or whatever. It gives you just like a little bit of focus elsewhere because. Obviously, the majority of my time and effort will be spent on cricket, and that's a given. But then, have being able to do university on the side and Glamorgan and the PCA and the MGCU scheme in Britain been brilliant in supporting me 
throughout that and it's that I think that's credit to all of them for allowing me to kind of play as much cricket as I do for Glamorgan and do a degree on top of that yeah Okay, so we're here with England and Kent's Zach Crawley, and we're going to talk about his pathway through the elite performance programme in cricket at Kent and then into England. Uh, hi, Zach. Hello, Jan. How are you? Oh, great. Um, so, at what age did you start playing cricket, and what age did you sort of realise you were good and, you know, get into some representative stuff? Well, I probably started playing cricket when I was around six or seven, uh, and pretty much straight away got uh, involved in my local club at Homestel and, um, you know, used to go to cricket weeks in the summer holidays and, we, you know, we were playing a little bit of school uh, and then managed when I was eight, uh, I managed to get picked as a bowler uh, for Seven Oaks District. So, um, and then, you know, I was playing from Seven Oaks District up until I was about 11. Uh, sorry, when I was 10 and then I got picked for the Kent team. Uh, I actually didn't get picked, but someone got injured and I, I got called up for him and actually had a pretty good game so then that's how I got into the system there so when I was probably when I was around 10 11 I started taking cricket um a lot more seriously than than other sports you know from that young age I was probably playing all the sports and I still played I still played sports growing up but um probably even at that young age it was probably cricket was my most serious and what what led to you to get selected for the Kent Academy and what age was that at Kent Academy, I picked at 14 um, as a batsman. I'd, I'd racked in the bowling by then, thankfully. And, um, you know, I, I scored a good a couple of runs for the under-13s. And uh, I've been in the system for four years at that point. So, um, yeah, when I was 14, it was my first year in the Kent Academy. And um, that was a massive boost to, uh, to my ambitions of sort of being a pro cricketer. And what did you learn from the academy? How did it help you? Um... Well, I learned the value of hard work, to be honest. I mean, I've got so much volume in that period from the age of 14 to 17. That's probably, um, well, it's definitely the most I've ever practised in, in my lifetime. Uh, maybe apart from the last couple of years, obviously, when I've been living on the ground at Kenan and doing things like that. But from that age of 14 to 17, uh, you know, I was pretty hitting four or five times a week uh, for a couple of hours a day. So, I mean, um, you know, and I was getting better quite quickly. Um, so it taught me the value of, 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 of working hard. And, but also, we had great people around us. I had Simon Willis, who was a very good batting coach, who I wouldn't have had, obviously, if I hadn't have been in the academy. Um, Min Patel, who was spin bowling coach. But, you know, when I was facing the spinners, he would talk to me about how to face spin, things like that. And, um, you know, we, we always had players from the Kent team come down, like Rob Key, Darren Stevens, always just come down and train bus as well. So it's just an unbelievable learning experience where, you know, we just had all the, the best people in the county um, who had our best interests at heart, really. Do you think that then the academy prepares cricketers well for professional cricket when you make that jump? It depends what mindset the, the, the kid has. I mean, I was always uh, very clear on my goals to, to be a pro cricketer. And, you know, um, if I'm being honest, uh, I, I did more than other people in the academy. Um, so that, that if, if they had a similar sort of mindset and, and the individual's quite determined to, to go pro, then I think it's an unbelievable um, opportunity that they give you. Yeah, they, 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 they give you everything you need pretty much. Even at a county like Kent, I can't imagine what, um, about digging out Kent, I obviously love Kent, but you know, I can't imagine what people at Surrey and Yorkshire have and, and with all that money and resources they have. But even at Kent, we had unbelievable opportunity and, um, and, you know, yeah, like I say, if, 
if you know if you don't have that ambition and drive it nothing's going to help you but um but if you do then i think it's an unbelievable opportunity do you think then that it's up to the individual player in regardless of i mean you only have uh, experience at kent but regardless of the county if the player wants it enough do you believe that that's that's the real the real benefit or the real the, the deciding factor in becoming a professional cricketer yes i think it's on the individual and um how much they want to practice and and work it the the support staff and the academy people can only, well, like I say, support you and give you everything you need. But if you're not going to turn up and, and put in the hard yards, um, then it doesn't matter who's there. It could be Brian Laris, the batting coach. Uh, it's not going to help, in my opinion, that is. So, um, so, yeah, I think you've got to get your head around it pretty early that, you know, you've got a goal in mind and, and pretty much go for it. What do you think the biggest challenges were for you in the academy? Um... Well, I never really saw them as challenge. There was, there was always, I was always being tested cricket-wise. And uh, oh, I suppose the biggest challenge was the, the, the time and the distance away from where I lived, actually. Um, so, you know, it was a good hour drive. And I'd come down three, three times a week. So that would probably be the biggest challenge. But I never, cricket-wise, I never saw them as challenges. You're obviously always tested. But, um, but I think that's the, the point of it, uh, to be tested in the cricket sense. So, I mean, there was loads of challenges like that where people bowl fast at you or you know, you rank the bowling machine up and they're all challenges that I'd never experienced before. Um, but the, the, the logistics of getting down there and, you know, well, my dad drives me down there, really. Um, you know, I kind of did feel that pressure, actually, to, to practice hard and, and, and make the most of it because I thought, gee, you know, my old man's driving me down three times a week, got to sit there and watch it and then drive me back. Um, so that was actually, I, I'm glad I felt like that. Like, I felt like I owed him to work hard. So, um that probably what, what dragged me through in the end. You talk about the logistics. Do you think that makes it difficult for maybe people of lesser means to uh, work in the academy? Because, uh, you know, in Kent, it's in Canterbury, which is a long way from, say, you know, not well, where you live or London or places like that where people yeah. from Kent still want to come from. Yeah, that's definitely the hardest thing. I mean, you look at football and there's so many clubs where they, you know, your local clubs are probably never that far away. Where in cricket, you know, we've only got 18 clubs to cover the whole country. And, you know, like I say, and the counties are pretty big. I lived, like I say, I lived over an hour away. Um, and I was very fortunate that I had a, a dad who could drive me there. Um, but, you know, not everyone has that opportunity. I think, that, I think we probably do lose quite a few players to the logistics of getting down there and training so often. And as often as it takes to, to be a pro cricketer, I think, you know, minimum, you've got to be going down three times a week. Um, and you know that's just not possible for quite a lot of people. No, that's yeah, that's unsensible. Um, so after the academy, you progressed very you know well through the Kent system, and I think you made your second team debut when you were fifteen. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, and then but you missed out unfortunately on playing England nineteens. Did that? Was that a big setback? Did that feel like a big setback at the time? No, if I'm honest, I didn't feel like a setback at all. It was never actually one of my goals. Um, I always didn't like the people who played England 19s. I was <laughs> like, I don't know why. They always came back. They, they acted differently to when they went. So I was, um, I was obviously wrong about that. They're, all, they're probably all decent <laughs> players. But like, I was always very focused on playing for Kent and I wanted to play pro cricket when I was 19. Uh, that was my goal. Um, so the, no, the England 19. Obviously, don't get me wrong. It would be nice to play, and if I got picked, I wouldn't have said no. Um, 
but you know I, it wasn't one of my goals if I'm honest so um, no, it didn't it didn't bother me and yeah, as we said you progressed very quickly through the uh, the Kent system and you and you scored your first first class century against Glamorgan which will interest our Welsh listeners that, that eight? Was that eight? I was 20 yeah. uh, but you um, so you scored that but I remember speaking to you in 2018 you were going through a bit of a difficult time I think it was the season afterwards and you were um, saying that if you hadn't fulfilled your cricketing goals by the age of 22 which was the end of your contract that you were thinking of packing it in and going to university and you know doing something else yeah so what would what sort of advice would you give people who are thinking that way because obviously two years time you're 22 now and you're in the position you're in just having got a double century for England so what advice would you give to people thinking that way I'd give them the advice that they definitely set a date to be honest on, on when you feel like enough's enough but then absolutely give it everything and work like you've never worked before until that date so that you don't have any regrets um and that's I feel like that's what I did you know I like say I, like you said I was going through a bit of um, a rough patch and you know I wanted to be I wanted to be a regular in Kent side and like you know um a good player by the time I was 21 22 because I seem it seems like that's when people need to have made their mark by to you know to be to, to you know to be a name in the game almost that's just how I saw it that's not right or wrong that's just how I saw it so you know, I, I kind of said to myself, and you know, I want to be a regular in Kent side to like when I'm 22, 21, um, and you know, it kind of gave me a clear plan, and, and it made me work harder in a way. So yeah, I'd definitely say set yourself a, a, a deadline. You don't want to be, you know, cricket's hard. Cricket's tough. It's like any other job. If it, you know, if it's not going well, it's a really tough game, and you know, it's not something I, I would recommend. You know, hanging around in. It's not. But I think you know, get set yourself a target and. Um, and work hard until that target of, of an age limit when you're when you you know when you're going to call time on it. But make sure you don't have any regrets about not working hard enough. Do you believe that even if you don't become professional cricketer, the experience of working hard sets you in a good course for later life? Absolutely, hundred percent. Being I mean, pro sports a brilliant. I mean, learning for life in general, the highs, the lows, um, the discipline you have to learn from it. You know, you're keeping yourself healthy and yeah, and, you know, in good shape, and which obviously helps you in later life. And like I say, the, there's, the, I think the main thing, the thing is the discipline that professional sport teach you, um, which is is a great asset for any job. I think so. Um, no, I think I think anyone who's got ambitions of of being a pro cricketer or a pro sportsman definitely give it give it a hundred percent. I would I've never doesn't matter what other jobs you think they're doing, it won't be as good as being a pro sportsman, in my opinion. So definitely give it a crack and. Um, you'll learn so much from it anyway. If you could change anything about your experience of the, the, the youth pathway, would it be, what would it be? Yeah, that's a difficult question because it was, it seems really good at the time. So I, for me, I wouldn't change anything. I, 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 I maybe if I could train with um, the, the first team squad a bit more uh, and put, put those youngsters in at the deep end, maybe a fraction more because whenever those um, pros came down and I faced them in the nets um, I learned so much from those sessions and you know you watch great players train and how they go about it and that's something I've learned this winter being around the England squad like great, seeing great players and how they do it um, so I think I think the, the better the more you're exposed to these 
sorts of players from a young age think the better. So I'd encourage academies to bring their youngsters into train with the first team as much as possible. Maybe you know they still did it at Kent, but more often would have been would have been better. Do you make a specific effort to listen to the more experienced players in any dressing room you're in? More watch than listen. Um, you know, you'd be surprised. You know, people don't really talk about their their games as much as you'd think, actually, which is a shame. But um, I love what I, I enjoy watching how people go about it and how they go about their practice. And I, you know, I take little bits. You know, you've got to be unique. I'm a big believer in that. But you can be unique and still take little bits from other people. And I, I like watching people practice and how they prepare and and take little bits from them. Which coach or player that you've uh, been associated with, do you reckon has had the biggest impact on your game? Well, Rob Key and Noddy Holder. I would say Noddy Holder is a coach I went to see in Perth. He's a brilliant coach um, who I, I've been back to see four four times now. And Rob Key, um, they both talk about similar things because Rob Key was the one who put me onto him actually, and um, it was his coach when he was younger. So I love the way they talk about the game. They, they those two would have would have had the biggest influence on my career. So, Zach, famously in the Kent Academy, Simon Willis used to bowl bounces of 15 yards and then call you names. Um, did this help you face Kagiso Robardo and you, Enric Nokia and Nassim Shah? <laughs> Very good. Um, to be honest with you, it did, actually. Um, and I'm really, I, I was going to say I enjoyed those sessions, but that would be a lie. Um, <laughs> but I'd encourage all academies to do that, those sorts of sessions. Maybe not the, the sledging part, <laughs> but definitely the bouncer part because as a young lad coming on to the scene, one thing I'll promise you, anyone out there who's about to play their second team debut or first team debut, you are going to get bounced. So just, um, I'd practice it as much as possible because as soon as they see someone under the age of 22 make their debut, they're going to bowl at your badge. Um, so make sure uh, make sure you practice it loads and, and hook it over the fence and then tell them to keep it there next time as well. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for talking about your career. Um, wish you all the best for the future. I'm sure you don't need the, any luck, but we'll wish you the Oh, no, future. you definitely need luck. <laughs> thank you very much. Cheers, Jan. <laughs> okay, next on, we've got Richard Almond, who is Head of Talent Development at Glamorgan. Hi, Richard. Hi, hi, Jay. Uh, so, what do you look for in young players coming through? It's a pretty difficult question. That um, there's a range of factors. Obviously, they have to be talented enough, and you know, in terms of uh, performance, there there has to be a, a certain level of performance. Um, but also, we look for for character traits that you know will we think will transfer into the, into the first class game. Um, you know, character traits like resilience. Um, like uh, certain levels of confidence in their own ability. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of different factors that we try and identify. Some of them, you know, they're still developing and maturing. Um, but a combination of, of current performance levels and, and sort of future potential is what we try and, try and look for and, and put together. Is it often obvious from a young age if people have this or does it sometimes reveal itself later on? Um, it varies from individual to individual. There, there are certain players that we've identified pretty early that are special cases, but um, the vast majority um, develop at different rates. I mean, everybody's individual, so um, mature at different rates physically, mentally as well. So 
you know, the, these characters do come out of arms. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, there are some obvious, obvious special talents that, you know, have come through and you can spot them pretty early on. And how does the uh, link between Cricket Wales and Glamorgan Academy help facilitate this progression? Um, we've worked a lot together over the, over the years um, in sort of um, making the, the pathway seamless um, and making the transitions from one to the other as seamless as possible. Um, we took over the age group, the national age group teams in, in um, February this year. So we've only just started running those age group teams and, and Cricket Wales now are focusing on the sort of regions around Wales to to um, feed into those teams. So um, there is a nice sort of pyramid um, pathway at the moment with the academy sitting right at the top. Um, but it's, it's helped us a lot having a bit more um, accountability for the development of a lot of the players, you know, having access to these age group teams and focusing on what they do as well. Um, gives us access a little bit earlier to the players than we've had in the past. So it's quite exciting. Um, you know, we've got those age groups, then we've got the junior academy and, and the senior academy. So, um, yeah, lots of work, but um, an exciting time. Obviously, in February when we took over, we didn't foresee being locked down pretty much straight away. So, um, the first season hasn't exactly gone to plan. We would have liked to have done a lot more work than we have, but, um, you know, all the age group teams have played a, a fair amount in a short space of time at the end of the season. So, it's it has been good. We've managed to get a little bit of it done. Uh, as the only first-class county in Wales, do you make a, an attempt to recruit from the, you know, the, the further away counties in North and West Wales, for example? Uh, definitely. You know, we we um, cover the whole of Wales as a county. So um, geographically, it's a, it's a huge area to cover. Um, but we do want to make sure every every child who has ambitions of playing for Gnorgan has access to, to the pathway and, um, you know, we, we run a satellite academy program at Shrewsbury School in North Wales um, through Adam Chantry, who's one of our ex-players. Um, so we try and bridge the gap and, and save the parents having to travel too often. But, um, you know, it, it is certainly difficult for for players that are, are further afield. But, um, you know, we, we do as much as possible to try and include and give everyone an equal opportunity. So once in the academy, how do you attempt to bridge the gap between youth or amateur and professional cricket? And what do you think sets those apart who manage to go uh, up to the professional teams? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's almost like a finishing school. We try and um, educate them on, on what it takes to be a professional. Um, and we, we utilise a lot of our professional coaching staff on our programme um, to help with that. And we, we also have current players coming in and, and delivering um, sessions to the academy players um, but it's um, you know and, and then we'll try and integrate the academy players into our professional staff um, sessions as, as much as we can as well so they get a taste of actually um, going into that environment and, and training with the pros at various stages throughout the winter and summer months um, to try and bridge the gap and get them to experience it um, but, yeah, but like I said earlier it's, it's developing those characteristics that will, will um Put them in a good place when they when they do make the transition. You know, one of the big ones with cricket is resilience. Um, you know, you need to be able to bounce back. There's, there's a lot of times when you fail in the game, um, but ultimately it, it comes down to the performance of, of the younger players and being able to take that opportunity when it comes. Um, and to do that, you know, they have to be fairly mentally strong and and also um, point of view be ready to, to play at that level. Um, so you know, we prepare them to face faster bowling, 
um, you know, because that's what they're going to experience. So uh, there's a certain level of exposure to what they're going to face um, and come up with that, you know, sort of guides the program, I guess. You talked about resilience and uh, when we spoke to Kieran Carlson, he talked about the growing importance of like psychological preparation, mental health in the game. Is that something that you work hard on in the academy? Uh, yeah, definitely. So we've got a um, sort of mental health coach. They don't like to be, be called psychologists anymore. But um, yeah, so we've got someone that works with the academy players, um, both as a group and individually. So um, they do a fair amount of that. And, and part of that is, is helping them to develop these, um, you know, these mental skills, if you like, that you, um, you need to, to play at the highest level. Um, you know, we firmly believe that the vast majority of those skills can be developed and worked on like any other skill. So, um, you know, Kieran's right in what he says. Um, you know, he's experienced the program and, you know, he, he tasted some early success at, at, at the next level, which, um, you know, which I hope the academy program helped. And for those, you know, the majority who don't make it to be professionals, what do you think the academy offers them for, you know, their future life and careers? Um, so part of our, our ethos on the academy is is to develop the individual um, as well as you know develop them as a as a cricketer. So we try and um, turn turn all our scholars into better people. Um, we have a very close link as well with um, the Cardiff MCCU program and you know the universities Cardiff Met, Cardiff University, and and University of South Wales. So um, you know we we do we think it's important um, that young players have a have an alternative option. Um, you know, to playing cricket because even the ones who go on to be successful cricketers will always have to have a um, another career at the end of their their cricket career. So, um, yeah, it's very much a dual aspirational approach to to the program, um, with education being almost as important as their as their cricket. So, um, you know, we we try and run as balanced a program as we can and and link them in with the universities because. There's, you know, more and more at, at 18, there's difficult choices to be made on, on the young players. And, um, you know, having three more years at a, at a university uh, um, with a high-performance cricket program just allows us a bit more time to make more accurate judgment on, on our players. So um, we do have a close link with the university program and, and a lot of our academy players end up there um, to further their cricket careers, but also to try and, um, you know, get a different um, plan B, if you like, as well. So, um yeah, we, we're pretty lucky having that program on our, on our doorstep. I think it's really important. Do you think also that um, the psychological skills, the resilience, that sort of thing helps with, you know, day-to-day life as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, a, a lot of the, the skills we learn in, in professional sports can be transferred into any other profession. Um, you know, definitely some of the resilience skills, um, you know, teamwork, working in a team, um, leadership skills, you know, all of that can be transferred across the um, vast majority of professions. So, um, yeah, definitely. I think the program is designed to help the individuals, um, both as people and, and as, as people. So, um, and, you know, that's part of the aim is, is to, we, we understand that, um, as you said, the majority of players don't actually go on to play professional cricket. So um, it's a big responsibility to, to equip, equip them with, with something else that they can fall back on and, and hopefully to have enjoyed the experience and, and recognize that it's, it's some way to whatever they go on to, to achieve in, in, in their future careers. All right. Thank you very much for talking with us, Richard. No problem. Thanks, Jan. Ah! 
now we've got Matt Thompson on, who's head of the Talent Pathway at Cricket Wales. Thank you very much for coming on, Matt. No worries, Jan. Thanks for having me. So what do you look for in young players? Um, well, a whole, a whole host of stuff, really. Um, but, but without kind of complicating things, I think it's, it's, it's a mixture of behaviours and characteristics along with some cricket stuff, I think. Um, and that goes from whether you're 11 through to, to 18, 19, effectively. Um, just, just little things often the time. I think you can tell quite a lot about a player in terms of how they go about their business in terms of, you know, are they, are they afraid or, or do they, are they not afraid to ask questions and challenge what we do as coaches is often quite a refreshing thing to see in a young player. And it's not one that we see a lot of the times um, sometimes, um, you know, actively, actively trying to put themselves under pressure and welcoming those pressurized situations in games where, you know, the game might be on the line or, you know, someone's got to stand up and be counted. It's, it's whether or not a young player wants to be in that situation and, and willingly puts himself in that situation, if that makes sense, without, without necessarily succeeding in that moment in time. But just the mere, the mere attitude of wanting to, to be the game changer is, is, is often a, a nice one for us to observe. Um, and again, just little things, you know, are, are, they, are they good with their teammates? Are they, do they do the little things that, that contribute to an all-round team performance and a team effort? Um, you know, willingness to work hard at all times is 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 always always one that we that we look at. Um, and then in terms of actual cricket stuff, you know, scenarios. You know, can can you as a young player can you recognise a scenario and, and adapt your your role to that situation and, and and demonstrate an ability to do that consistently? I think is is probably in a nutshell some of the things we look for. And you know, on a physical level, obviously athleticism and those types of things are, are things that, that we obviously observe and look at over time. Uh, so you talk about these uh, behaviours and attitudes. Um, is it usually obvious from a young age whether a player will make it or can some people develop later on? Um, no, I don't think you can. I don't think you can guess at kind of 11 or 12 and say, look, this, this young lad or young girl is going gonna, is gonna to be a professional cricketer. I, I don't think we're in that environment anymore. I think we probably were once upon a time. Um, I think you can see things that, you think, okay, at this moment in time, they are above their peers in what they do. Um, they demonstrate certain behaviours that you would think if they can maintain those and, and improve on those, that, that will give them certainly a chance of going somewhere. I think that's probably as far as I would make a, a prediction. Um, I think talent generally tends to be over a sustained period of time, certainly in cricket anyway. Um, you know, we're in a, we're in a sport which is, tends, to, tends to be more down the, the later specialisation route than you know, may a, maybe a gymnastics or a swimming or, or tennis or those types of sports. Um, you know, so I think, I think it comes from us having a rich, a rich understanding of our players over a long period of time and us being able to, to make some, some fairly sensible decisions based on knowing those players over a long period of time, if, if that makes sense. So we're always kind of juggling the, the current performance versus future potential um, kind of continuum if you like and and it's not always a difficult one to uh, not always an easy one sorry to to balance because you might have young players that are physically have, have developed more so at a younger age and, and naturally you'd expect them to perform better um than a lot of other young players but obviously that that tends to flip itself on the head a lot of the time and sometimes the little lad or the little girl that can't can't get it off the square or you know hasn't got the pace necessarily at, at 12 13 once they grow and you know fill out a little bit and they're their body catches up with them. Actually, there's a lot 
there's some, a lot of the time there's a lot around those players that you know that, that give you a fairly good indication that, that they've got something. So I think it's I think it's a mixture of both. Um, but but no, I certainly wouldn't wouldn't say that we're kind of in the space where at under 11s you can you can put your put your money on this this player is going to make it. And I think there's probably plenty of examples in international cricket and pro cricket where. Well, I think Peterson was an off spinner, wasn't he? In um, until he's about fifteen, and those types of things comes over, and and, and obviously the, the batting looks after itself. So th- there's loads of other examples in that space where even at seventeen, eighteen, players are, are kind of not reinventing themselves, but are kind of bursting on the scene at that point. So I think we've got to keep the window open as as long as we can in that sense. So there's obviously only one first-class county in Wales, but you're organising sessions and games for players from all over the country. Uh, what challenges does that represent? Yeah, we're pretty big in Wales, aren't we? We're probably, geography-wise, we've got more more challenges than, than a lot of the other first-class counties do and, and county boards. Um, I think the first challenge that that naturally comes with is obviously trying to make sure that we're we're providing a reasonably a reasonably similar experience. We have some congruence in our structures and framework right the way across the country. So whether you're a young cricketer in Haverford West or Chepstow or Menai Bridge, wherever it might be, I think we've got to make sure that we're we're all reasonably singing off the same page in terms of what we provide. Um, I'm not sure how I'm not sure if that's always been the case um, historically. I'm sure it has been, but it's it's an area that we know we've always got to strive to to do as much as we can do in that space and inevitably you know I, and look, I'm, I'm not a North Whalian I'm certainly not a West Whalian but I I think those those two demographics in particular do an immense amount of traveling probably more so than than certainly the South South Wales um, players and, and parents do everyone does a phenomenal job but I, th- I think we probably underestimate the amount of commitment and time that certainly those parents do invest whether it's coming down to Cardiff or um, traveling for fixtures and you know there's often a summer set away from a for a north north wales um north wales parent which you know is is a hell of a commitment and i think i think as i say we we've got to do our best to try and make sure that we support those guys as best as we can and we give them the, the same and all the best experience possible so that that's always a challenge um and you know look cost is always going to be be in the mix you know that's one that's been there for a long period of time and, and it's obviously our job to try and try and provide a value for money for what people get and also make sure that we're not we're not pricing anybody out of, of ex- you know, accessing our program essentially which which is i think we do a reasonably good job of um but again it's something we always we always look for even more so probably in this climate now with given given the uncertainty of things that, that we that we make it as accessible as we can be so um when it comes to the point where players might progress to play Glamorgan Academy or maybe some second team cricket. Uh, how do you try and include the players from North and West Wales? Um, we obviously have, well, we've got a, a, a pleasing set of North Wales representatives in the Cricket Wales age groups. Um, I say we, we tend to have, that tends to go in cycles. Sometimes in, we'll have a, a few strong players in the West and the North, you know, from all areas. Um, but generally speaking, a lot of our, Play, well, all of our players that make it onto Glamorgan Junior Academies and academies come through the age group program. Um, but then again, obviously, our programs underneath the age group program have to be set up where we are. Keep, as I say, it goes back to what I said earlier: keeping the window as wide as possible. And ultimately, in simple terms, it's about having more players, having more opportunities. And, and again, for us, for us being able to to provide those opportunities for longer, hopefully, um, so that whether you 
as I say, whether you burst on the scene as a 14-year-old or, you know, you're one of those younger players that's one of the stronger ones in your peer group at 11. Um, You know, by and large, there shouldn't be anybody bursting on the scene that we have never heard of before, if that makes sense. Um, We we should have at least have a semblance of them because they are are within our our network somewhere. And, and, And as I say, it comes down to having a reasonably rich understanding of those individuals within it. I don't know if that answers your question, hopefully. No, it does. Uh, but for the players, you know, the vast majority of players who play for Wales won't end up being professional cricketers. What lessons do you think they can learn from playing for Wales? Yeah, I, and I think, I think that's one of the biggest things we always have to remember is that there is only going to be that small minority that do go and play professional cricket and hopefully even, even you know, represent um, England at, at higher honours than, than domestic level. But... It's it's for us. It's yeah. It's, it is about it's about that the one percent that go up, but it's also about the players that are going to be club cricketers for the next forty years, hopefully. And, and there's a massive part, you know, I'd say probably a bigger part of what we do is is around trying to cultivate that that experience. So, in terms of playing for Wales, what kind of lessons do we want them to learn? I without without sounding too cliche, I, I, a lot of the life lessons, to be honest, I, I would imagine it's you know, cricket cricket's tough, it's hard, it's frustrating. But it's also one of the most, you know, enjoyable sports, and some of the things it teaches you are invaluable for, you know, whether you end up having a, you know, a lifetime involvement in sport or whether you go off and have a career in something else. I think cricket teaches you a lot, so I don't think that's any different for playing for Wales than, than maybe club cricket does. But but obviously for a young player at, at the highest level, they can represent. That's that's obviously a lesson we'd we'd like them to to take away. Um, Little things again, just we always try and say to, to young players, look, keep, stay level. You know, you, you'll have great days on the cricket field. You'll have bad days on the cricket field. And I think, if anything, one of the things we learn from the best players in the world is that they don't get too excited and they don't get too down at the same time. And that that's the way life tends to tends to be. So, you know, if they can learn that a little bit over their course of playing for Wales, then, then fantastic. Um we're quite big on playing with no regrets. You know, it's, we want people to go out and express themselves and do what they do best and enjoy it and not feel pressured and not feel nervous or, you know, it's a big deal playing for Wales. And and it's something that we're very proud of that, you know, no other County really gets to do or representing your County is a big thing, but, but representing your country's something that's, you're a pretty exclusive club doing that, even as a, you know, young under 13. So having players to understand what it means to represent Wales is, is a big one for us. And, and as I say, if you can tie that in with um, giving it your all and, and not playing with, with any regrets, then you know th- those are some pretty good stuff to come out of it. No, that's a really nice sentiment to end on. Thanks very much for talking to us, Matt. Cool. No worries. Thanks. Thank you to all our contributors to this week's podcast, Kieran Carlson, Zach Crawley, Richard Armand and Matt Thompson. Don't forget, you can follow us at Welsh Cricket Pod on Twitter or at CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket on Facebook. Or you can email us at mwcpod1921 at gmail.com. Join us next week when we'll have some more stories about the great game of cricket in the great country of Wales. <laughs>